Worship Fertilizer, the what you need to grow in worship. It's brought to you by AdLib Music, who, in simple love and pure devotion to Jesus, is eradicating isolation and burnout so that leaders bear much fruit. Find out more at adlibmusic.com. Be a part of this podcast by submitting your questions and comments to podcast at adlibmusic.com. Here's your worship fertilizer. It's a daunting thought to say that you as a worship team are responsible for creating the culture of worship at your church. Right? Shouldn't it be somebody else's job, maybe? I mean, that's, that seems like... But I think we are the ones who are, who are uh, the most the most public, the most prominent, the most, you know, modeling of what we expect and what we what we are saying that worship is about. Um, and so that, that for me is a, a pretty significant responsibility um, in that there's a lot on the line, but in in that it can get kind of messy too if we get too, like, wrapped up in, we're the creators of call. I was just a guitar player. What? Like, holy cow. That's... No thanks. But so let me let me talk through a couple of, of ways of thinking through that that I think are are helpful and that will help us be intentional about modeling um, modeling that and creating that culture. Um, so the, the the first idea is um, our own personal culture. We already have a personal culture of worship, right? There's a certain way that we worship publicly, a certain way that we worship privately, a certain way that we worship with our lives, a certain way we you know we we do that. So um, you attract. Who you are, the first blank says, and you also reproduce who you are. Um, you attract who you are, and you reproduce who you are. They will follow our model. So, are we growing in worship? Are we trying new things? Are we open to what God is saying? Do we do we take our our time? Um, I don't want to say seriously because I don't like being very serious. Um, but do we do we take that seriously, appropriately? Do we consider um, what we're bringing to the table? And let me ask you this question: Would it be a good thing if everybody in your congregation modeled their own worshiping life and their own expression of worship in church after you? Because that's kind of what they're doing in little ways here and there. They're looking at us to be the model of what a worshiping Christian is, because we're front, you know. I mean, we're the people doing the stuff. Like, who else are they going to look to, you know? And Ethel? Probably not. It's going to be you up there. And I don't say that to put pressure on you, um, but there's, because that's just reality. Like, people are looking at us for, for a model. Um, so we come to this idea of embedded theology, which is basically saying it's what we've believed based on our church surroundings. What we've either grown up with um, or what we've kind of come into, but we bring the 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 uh, embedded theology is is basically stuff that we've just believed, or we've never really questioned it, or really like searched it out and learned from the scriptures about what it's what it's about. It's just kind of it's what it's it's the stuff that we say. Well, everybody knows that stuff, you know. It's kind of like it's it's um it's you know it's sin, like uh, you know you know it's sin, or it's my favorite one is like I'll ask a question. So what is worship? And somebody will write down to praise and worship. Okay, that's kind of accurate. That you didn't tell me anything. You know, you have some you have some things that you believe about that you've never really articulated. You've never really wrestled with. Um, and so, you know, a lot of times we'll also say things like, you know, well, that, oh, that was like that was real worship, or well, that church over there, they've got real worship. I mean, that's it's just, you know, you know, 
You know. You can't explain it. You just say you know. So that's the embedded thing coming out. And and a lot of times I think, you know, uh, instead of instead of thinking about um, what I grew up with or um, what they're doing or real worship, we need to talk in terms of, um, it, would, it would serve us better to talk in terms of biblical worship or a biblical model or heaven's model. Like, What's going on in the scripture that informs us about worship? What do we know about heaven and the worship there other than the lots of eyes on weird creatures, you know? And a lot of a lot of 7-Eleven in heaven, you know? You, you, think, you think modern worship is repetitive? How about holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come? I'll say it again. Holy, holy, forever and ever. I mean, that's like, that, that, was, that was the beginning of 7-Eleven worship. Just kidding, um, but but there is a model. There is a model that that and there's there's a lot of stuff in scripture if we'll look if we'll look for it, and I think it's really going to help inform our embedded theology because we need to help ourselves and our teams and our congregation to understand what is worship like for real, not that like oh it's the part that we sing at church or oh it's our whole lives you know Romans twelve one says present your whole bodies as a living sacrifice this is your acceptable act of worship oh, okay. What else? We need to so so we need to learn some things and we need to teach some things. So um, a couple of things. I'm going to see what my blanks are, so I know what we're talking about here. So so what do we know? Alrighty, we we already know a few things, um, and so these are some of the things that I believe are true that I bring to the table. So um, worship, it costs something. Is the first blank there? What do we know? It costs something. And so a couple of the, of the stories that, that I've listed in the, in, from the scripture, one is uh, from 2 Samuel. It's where, um, where David wanted to buy a threshing floor to make an altar. And Aruna, the guy that owned it, was like, you're the king, you can have it for free, man. And David said, no, no, no. I will not give the Lord my God something that doesn't cost me anything. And he, and he bought it for a good price, and he, and he had the, the sacrifice there. Um, Second Chronicles 5 talks about the, the building of the temple where they brought all this stuff and how many thousands of this and you know all this stuff and they brought all this and they gave it and they gave their best stuff and the craftsmen came and they did their part and they, they gave all this stuff it was, it was costly um, we look at, uh, at Malachi he, the Israelites were, were bringing like the, the black sheep like the things that were spotted the animals that were lame you know they had to do these sacrifices right and so like well this, this guy's got a broken leg let's, let's, we, we can't get anything for the market you know, for him anyway, let's just use that as our sacrifice. Let's let's bring our leftovers, let's mail it in, let's not practice for Sunday. Let's just wing it. <clears throat> I just translated into our modern vernacular for bringing sacrifices that are lame. Did I just say that out loud? All right. Um, and, and there's lots of other stories. You know, we see, we see the woman at, at Bethany who anointed Jesus' feet and put a whole year's worth of a, a whole... A bottle of perfume that was the, the the price of a year's worth of salary in one offering, or um, uh, we see Paul and Silas where they were beaten all day, so they decided to have a night of worship that night in the jail, right? Because after they'd gotten beaten all day, they were singing hymns, and they could have they could have sent out you know invitations for their pity party and like all kinds of stuff and had taken revenge on because these this was un, unfair. 
but no, it cost them that pity party, and they said, I'm going to worship instead. So there's this, it seems like the scriptures tells us these stories about when people offered something, there was a cost involved. And so that's, that's one of my, one of my, Framers of reference. So, what does biblical worship look like? How am I going to model that? How, how is my team going to model that? How am I going to help my congregation get get around that? It costs us something, y'all. This isn't free. This should this should come from your heart. This should come from, like, in the moments that it's not convenient. You're complaining about standing too long. Hey, why don't you sit down then? That's okay. If like you really have some pain and you're not physically able to do that, but if you're just tired, get off your butt and stand up. This should cost you something. Might be something that would be on the edge to say, but it might it might teach something about biblical worship because it it does. So so we know that it, it costs us something. Um, we also know um, um, that it's generous. And what is generosity? Well, in generosity, there's always a, um, there's an arrow in generosity, and it's pointed at the receiver, right? Not at the giver. Because if I'm generous this way, that's not generosity, that's selfishness. But if I'm generous this way, if I go beyond the minimum this way, I'm being generous. So worship by its nature, um, there's a story in Isaiah 43 um, that says... Um, He's talking about the, the people that were that were um, that I'm. God is talking. He says the people that I made especially for myself, a people custom made to praise me. And then he goes on this rant. The prophet Isaiah does he says, but you didn't even pay a bit of attention to me, Jacob. You tired so quickly of me, Israel. You wouldn't even bring sheep for offerings and worship. You couldn't be bothered with sacrifices. And it wasn't that I asked that much from you. I didn't expect expensive presents, but. You didn't even do the minimum. You were just so stingy and close-fisted with me. Like, there's this sense of, like, the minimum. Like, when somebody gives you, like, the bare minimum, how does that feel? You know, is that not the most lame thing? Like, well, you know, you said that I had to do this, and so I did that, you know? It's like, hope you like it, you know? It's like, now worship is generous. It's excessive. It's, it's, it's the picture of the when the the prodigal son comes home and and how the father responds that kind of lavish generosity that kind of like hey let's kill my best animal to celebrate you it's got that like way over and above what you would think would be would be right and and even even one of the words um um in the scripture for praise um means to celebrate to 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 boast to be clamorously foolish it it, it has this like wild over the top kind of tone to it um, and that so that informs us about generosity it's about worship sorry that it's generous um, but it's not just that it's it's number three it's it's all of our lives it's the whole thing it's the whole package it's not it's not segmented worship that as we know in the scripture is that it's all of our lives and you know the the, the common uh, or the the famous scripture about you should love the Lord your God with all your what and what does that mean? What what I I love I love that scripture because it seems so like what a wild thing like that the king, the creator, seeks love 
and seeks to be pursued in that sense. And so, um, Myron Augsburger wrote one time, he said, Love means that one's life is intimately open to another. And in loving God, with our whole person, we open our total life to him. And then he kind of, he says the heart, mind, soul, and strength, but he puts it into words that I get more. So our hearts is our affections. Our minds are our attitudes. Our souls are our ambition. And our activity, uh, sorry, our strength is our activity. So, and for me, it sounds so different to think about, I'm going to love the Lord with all of my affections, the things that I really care about, and the way that I, you know, your, your affections, like there's something about that, even that word that's like, all my heart, yeah, but what does that mean? But my, the things that I just, I'm going to love you with this affection. You know, it, it kind of shapes that a little bit. Well, this one's great. I'm going to love the Lord my God with all of my attitudes. Every one of my attitudes is going to be a love offering to Jesus. And I get the attitude that you have, that you have the problem that you have in your attitude. I get the adjustment that your teams, that your congregation needs to make in their attitude towards... Like, we have the opportunity to love God with every choice that we have in our attitudes. So whether that's selfish or impatient or angry or whatever, that's that's a that's one of the ways to worship the Lord is with is with my my attitude. But then it goes deeper than that even, and it's like, okay, my ambition, like the things that I'm really trying to get done, you know, all those things, all those things that war within us, our ambitions for stuff that we want to accomplish, I'm gonna I'm gonna give that to the Lord. Our strength. Sure, but what does that mean? Oh, my activity. You mean the stuff that's in my calendar? I'm going to love the Lord my God with all of my calendar? With all of my activity? All the stuff that I do? So it's, 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 it's my whole life is my point there. And that's, we get to, we get to shape uh, our own lives and our team's lives and our congregation's lives and understanding, hey, look, man, it's the whole thing. You know, when you walk in here and like rip my head off about having coffee in the sanctuary... We need to talk about that because that's not worshiping God. I don't care if we have coffee in the sanctuary or not, but you ripping my head off is not okay. All right, I'll get off that one. Number four is, is, is we have knowledge gaps. We have gaps, like the store, but plural. We have knowledge gaps. Um, there is stuff that we don't even know that we don't know. All right? I mean, there's seriously, there's, there's a lot of stuff that we... The word just completely oblivious to, to not to not knowing. So here's the thing: so many of us haven't ever really studied like worship. You haven't like scripturally checked it out and delved in and asked God to reveal like stuff. And I'm not like maybe you have. That's cool. Most of your team probably hasn't. Most of your congregation probably hasn't. There's a there's a huge lack of just understanding of just of just knowledge about worship, the nature of worship, and the, and the kind of worshipers that the, the Father seeks. But even a step further, so many of us are shaped by, if we grew up in the church, what we learned as children, in more of a crowd control kind of, shh, sit still. Hey, 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 quiet down. Listen, have some respect. Like, it's just, it's this sense of, and I'm not saying we need to be, you know, uncontrolled, you know, hellions in church. But what we've learned, I mean, imagine yourself being a child if you if you grew up in church, or even if you didn't grow up in church and you kind of thought about the church, did you think about it, think about it as just like 
Like if you, and if you think about the way David worshipped or some of the worship we see in heaven, do you think it looked like that? You know, it was very... There's, I actually took a picture of it. it. There was a picture at a church that said, quiet, or like, please be quiet, worship is starting. <laughs> I was like, that's, I, get, I get the culture of the church, right? But that's like the opposite of the way I think, man. Like, hey, man, it's time to get rowdy now. And not like... I'm not saying we need to be like charismatic and crazy, whatever. I don't care where we are on that spectrum. I'm just saying like there's something inside of us that we need to get out. And there's something that he has um, given us as a model, as an understanding for what worship is, is about. Um, so we've got a lot, of these, a lot of these things on us, you know. And even you've probably experienced this. And it's not just a performance thing. It's a, it's a, it's a church culture thing. You're in rehearsal, like before the service, and you're playing, you're singing the songs, and there's just like you're loose, you're like creative, and you have these ideas, and and it's feeling good, and then the service starts, and you just kind of get rigid. You th- start thinking about what everybody's thinking, and you play the songs, and you hope to not mess them up. And like something happened that like get you know you had something in you that just made you think, oh, you know what? If we were really doing this right, we probably need to be decently in in, in an order, you know. Like there needs, there's, there's this thing on us that's saying, okay, and, and not a holy reverence awe thing, a fear of man, kind of like, I, you know, what, what are they thinking? And I'm probably, you know, maybe there was a memory from our, our childhood where we got reamed out on a regular occasion because we were the pastor's kid and we couldn't sit still or be quiet with anything. Um, <laughs> that wasn't me at all. <laughs> um, but there's this, there's this thing that, that, that isn't God's heart for worship that gets on us. That's my point. And that we, that we, that we come to, to, to know. So we have these gaps in our knowledge. Um, I mean, even, even I mentioned the, one of the words that, that means to, to rave and boast, to be clamorously foolish. That's halal, right? I mean, there's, there's seven different Hebrew words that when they get translated in, into our English Bibles, it comes out as the word praise. But it's seven different Hebrew words with Seven different meanings. Did you know that? And like, so one of them is one of them is tehillah, means to sing. There's there's two that are, are raising the hands. One means like giving a gift, and one means like surrender. Um, there's kneeling, which is barak. There's um, shabak, which means to shout. Um, and there's halal, which means to to be clamorously foolish. Um, and that's the way we get the word hallelujah. It's halal and Yahweh, compound word, the name of God and to praise the Lord. That's what that means. But it means to be clamorously foolish, to, to boast, to rant, to rave, to just go all out to the Lord. So, so we, have these, we have these understandings that we're missing and that our congregations are missing. So my whole point in that is that we need to teach. And Dan was talking about the worship bombs. Those are moments where we can teach the congregation, um, model what this biblical worship thing is about. You know, when we get together... At our rehearsals, carve out space so that you can spend time talking about that, learning together. What is biblical worship? Hey guys, let's read the story of the you know the woman at Bethany that anointed Jesus' feet. We're going to read the story, and I want you guys to tell me what. So, so based on that, what should worship look like? You know, should we care about you know when we're walking in the door, wanting to give an offering to Jesus? Should we care about what the other disciples in the room are thinking? Or should we just go ahead and take that risk of being misunderstood and make our offering? Let's talk about that. Because that's real. 
I believe, again, scripturally, that we need to get involved. When I look at the scripture and I look at gathered worship, like this thing that we do on Sundays, um, 1 Corinthians 14.26 says that when we come together, each one of us should bring something, a psalm, a hymn, something for the edification of the, of the body. We are to get involved. Um, I love that 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. And everyone benefits. So it feels like worship is an all-play. You know, like we should all get involved. There's this thing that, hey man, we're in, we're together, we're in the room. Let's go. And so, what are the enemies of that? What keeps us from doing that? Um, and there's tons of things, um, but we'll just talk about three today. Um, so those, well, the, the first one is is uh, is autopilot. Um, Autopilot, number one. Um, and yeah, so it just means acting without conscious thought because of tiredness, shock, or familiarity with the task being performed. So so this morning, um, we're singing uh, Majestic, right? Um, let's see, how does the chorus go? Greatness, the oceans cry out to you, the mountains. And I, I've never led that song, so it's not like overly familiar to me, but I was like, I was not connecting so much in the moment, and I wanted to. And so I led myself in worship. I got off of the autopilot. I closed my eyes, and I started imagining the sunsets that I love to see and the clouds and the big thunder clouds, you know, the big white, really bright clouds. And then the oceans, I love the beaches, and I'm in Costa Rica right now, so I'm, I'm, I'm at the beach, and I'm, the, the breakers are rolling in, and it's just amazing. It's just the, you know, how they break down the, down the line of the surf. And then the mountains in Costa Rica are just amazing. I mean, they're just huge, and it's beautiful, and they surround the, the San Jose and the Central Valley, and it's just awesome. And I suddenly had what I needed to connect with God, like, wow, that is talking. Those things are revealing the Creator. And the last line says, so, so I'll join with the earth, with all of what we are singing, and give my praise to you. And it helped me to connect and to get in, because before that I wasn't. Because I was on this autopilot. I was either in shock or familiarity or tired. Um, and that was, so that was my, my own getting, getting out of it. But, but that happens, I think, to, to us and to our congregations for sure. Um, we just we just you know you know you know the drill. You come in, they're going to ask you to stand up, and you're going to sing. You know, right? I mean, that's so we're going to go for it. But you know, that's just that's just part of it. You know, like that's that is um, a piece of what we do. But there's heart involved. There's some other connection. There's a spirit thing happening. That's not just standing up and singing. And I could have just stood up and sing, and that would have looked fine. But it would have missed like my connection with God at that moment. Um, so I needed to do something to get myself out of, off of autopilot. And so um, if I'm leading, I'll do that all the time because I just know you get on your you get in your autopilot and you you forget. You're not connected with either what you're saying um, or with the, you don't like the song or you know you, you just dropped your kids off at the at the kid ministry, you know, and you're late and, you know, whatever, you just had an argument or whatever you're coming from. You just got laid off this week and week's, week's been horrible. You just found out you had cancer. I don't care what happened, but you're, you're in the room 
And it's my job as a leader, it's our job as teams to help people get off of that autopilot. Um, so I listed, I just did a, a brainstorm of like, what do I do to help people get off of autopilot? Um, so sometimes I'll repeat a line and it's, it's a way of highlighting something. Um, and sometimes it's not, sometimes it's, it's jarring because we didn't plan it, but I'll, I'll just be in the moment like, hey, oh wait, hold on a second. We need to say that again. Because we weren't really thinking about what we just said. I don't think we were thinking. I wasn't thinking until I said it. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. We stop. Let's go back to it. And so sometimes I'll do that, not just to be jarring musically, but because I don't want us to miss it. There was something there. Maybe God wants to highlight something. So I'll repeat a line. Um, I'll often start songs you know, differently. I don't, I'm fine to do the recorded version of it. That's cool, whatever. But a lot of times I'll just start, you know, acapella on the on the chorus or we'll start in at the bridge as an intro or just do something that's different that's not like so different that it throws people off and we can't connect but it's different enough that it won't let them stay on autopilot because autopilot will kill all play worship but this is stuff that you've rehearsed does the band know you're doing usually this stuff? Okay. well yeah we're re- repeating a line it was sometimes it depends it depends on who i'm with line they're just gonna go Go on. Right, right, <laughs> right. Well, no, that, that's true. So, so you have to know who you're playing with and what and what and what, because you might need to have gotten the words done like that if you had the idea beforehand. I think the more the more you do it, the more the more you do things to get people off autopilot. The more you think about that beforehand. So I'll be playing, and sometimes even even in my own personal preparation, I'll be playing and singing, and then I realize, oh wait, I just had no idea what I just sang. You know, right? And so maybe I need to do something here because that will that will probably happen to some people. So what could I do? And then I'll think about it and I'll do that and I'll bring that to the rehearsal. Hey, let's do this here. Um, so so yeah, you can't. You know, and now so okay. You want to grow on that. You want to work on that. You want to you want to be prepared. But it might be better for you to have a train wreck and for people to pay attention to something than to make it through the song un- unscathed. You know what I'm saying? Because you might have just wasted three minutes or five minutes. Because they're just, they're, you know, so you have to be you have to be judicious with that. Because um, if you're doing it every song, well, okay, then, then, then that's autopilot. <laughs> um, or that's, yeah. Um, so, uh, let's see, where was I? Pause in a song. So maybe I'll, I'll add, so, sometimes we'll just like fermata and we'll get to the end of a line and we'll just stop. We'll just kind of hold it there for a second to people. Oh, yeah. Huh, that is a good line. Or the Lord is faithful or whatever. I won't say anything. You just kind of just pause. And the, the music's still going. And then we go back into it. Um, but it just, it when you do that, it, it focuses your attention again. And we need that because we just get into our autopilot. Um, <laughs> you say, <laughs> be intentionally jarring. Uh, use humor. Be disarmingly vulnerable. Say something that that helps people connect to my story and helps people feel like... Because intimacy in worship is a, is an important factor of that. Like if we can be real and be ourselves and, and, and connect with the Lord in that kind of way, that's, that's an important piece. Um, and sometimes we just need to model that so people feel comfortable enough. If I'm vulnerable, then maybe you'll be vulnerable with, with the Lord. Um, um, so I, you know, sometimes I might just sing a, a chorus in Spanish or some other language. 
Um, or maybe I'll, I'll read a hymn instead of singing it, just to do something that's different. Um, but, you know, I'll try to listen to God and obey in the moment. Because sometimes, sometimes this is, is pre-planned, and sometimes it's, it's good leadership because I'm watching people and I'm seeing, okay, does it seem like we're engaged? But I don't just say, well, let me do something then. I say, okay, Lord, I'm just going to start a conversation. It seems like this is not really doing, people aren't really connecting with this. Should I do anything? And if I get an idea in that moment, I usually follow that idea. If I don't get anything, I just, just keep going. Because you know what? They're probably more engaged than I think they are. <laughs> You know, or or they will be, or I'm not supposed to do anything. So, um, so that's autopilot. Um, the next thing that's really big is um, is consumerism, and that is obviously just the promotion of the consumer's interest. Um, and and let's face it, we live in a consumeristic culture. So this is the culture. If you're in a, if you're in the U.S., we're consumers. That's our identity. That's just who this culture is. We are we are we are all about us. You know, we listen to the station WIIFM, right? What's in it for me? That's that's our favorite radio station. Um, we're tuned into that. But you know, we, we walk in and we say, you know, so what's going to be like? What am I going to get out of it? Am I going am I going to like this? Am I going to like that? Are they going to do this because I like that? You know, that's people are walking in the door. Not everybody. A lot of them thinking that. But I like the idea of of worship being a potluck. Um, you know, if you've ever been naughty or forgetful and you've come to like a church gathering where you're supposed to bring a carried covered dish, sometimes you forget, sometimes intentionally, but usually it's, it's you just forgot or you're a single guy when I was a single guy. But you still get to, huh? Yeah, I brought the tea. <laughs> um, but you can still eat probably, right? I mean, because people brought food. It's not going to, you know, you're not going to go hungry. There's probably going to be enough food so you can eat. But worship is a lot like that, you know. If 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 you think about a potluck where only half the people bring it, bring any food, you're going to be hungry, man. This is going to be a not very good potluck. And the same thing is true. Like, w- what we bring is half of it. Is is like the best worship services aren't the hottest bands. They're the ones where the people's hearts are the most open and giving and pr- and pushed in. So, or pressed in. Um, so, um, our our uh, experience of a gathering of worship is going to be really different. If instead of saying, "Well, what's in it for me?" You know, what am I going to get out of this? I walk in. I walk in, and I, I prepare myself to say, um, "Lord, would you give me the opportunity to encourage somebody? Would you give me a song to sing?" You know, when when can I go meet with you, God? Can I go meet with you now? When we get together with other, uh, can I? I want to meet. Would you give me some kind of an insight to share? Like what what is it that I could give today when I, when I come to church? And as leaders, that's probably a more common thing to say, but we need to teach our teams to say that, and we need to teach our congregations to walk in like that. Not saying, okay, what, what do you have for me? No, what, here you go. Here's five. High five. You know. Uh, on the side, down low, went too slow. Um, there's there's a, a culture that we just need to, to shape that that doesn't say, hey, this is the consumer's land here, so you get to come in and we're gonna we're gonna feed you. No, this is a little bit different. This is a different a different culture than what's outside the four walls. We're different, even though we're coming from that. 
Um, and it's not just it's not just about us. It's about what do we come to give? Um, you know, I've come to worship. I've come to lift up your name. You Let's know, write a song like that. yeah, might, it might stick. Something yeah. else uh, he always asks God to break his heart for the congregation before mm. he speaks to anybody. And, and I've done that every time I preach ever mm. since. And it's just uh, um, That's good. It, it's very easy to be doing stuff at instead mm. of stuff with the folks. And yeah. just asking God to break your heart for everybody that's there is brilliant. Yeah. You know, that, that, that one shift in our perspective, instead of doing things at, doing things with, it's just different when I'm we're worshiping together and there's this sense of I'm thinking like this is us not like come on people sing <laughs> you know I mean obviously that's not going to go very well but but there it's just a it's a small click in your heart but it really shifts um, a lot that's good um, the third a third enemy of all play worship is a performance driven identity um a performance-driven identity. So there's a couple of different dynamics that that we could, or a couple of different ways we could look at that. One is, you know, of course, if we're just putting on a show, going through the motions, you know, uh, lacking heart in what we're doing, we're missing something significant, right? It's, it's not just getting getting through the music; it's not the deal. But but the one the side I want to talk about it more is this idea of, excuse me, uh, performance based approval where we try to get what we um, feel about ourselves based on what we can do and that's a, that's a really pervasive idea especially in this county like I am what I do I get my worth from what I do this is this is what defines me this is you know whether it's your job or your kids or your you know your your musical ability or whatever it is that often um, will define us and and we even go so far as to saying um, you know, we're we're trying to earn other people's approval, and we're trying to approve even sometimes God's approval of us by performing well. Um, and that that can be, you know, because we are after all in charge of shaping the culture of our church, and so that's that's honest. So God, if you, you know, if we do this, will you love us? And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's let's back up. So I just want to talk a little bit about um, about the right kind of identity that will help us get out of that. And a kind of a way that we can both embrace, but also teach. Um, so um, C.J. Mahaney uh, says this. He has a book called The Cross-Centered Life. And he says this. Legalism is seeking to achieve forgiveness from God and acceptance by God through obedience to God. In other words, a legalist is anyone who behaves as if they can earn God's approval and forgiveness through personal performance. It's like we try to worship our way into God's good graces, you know. Like we, and and it's. I think it's pretty clear that we would never say that. That's like, well, that's that's stupid. We don't need to do that. But like, but we act like that, you know. There's just there's so much on the line for us that shouldn't be on the line for us when we when we play and when we when we serve. So um, there's a really helpful the, the awkward uh, triangle drawing down here that you've maybe been wondering what in the world it is. Um, I'll just walk us through um, kind of an understanding that really helped unlock some things in my heart and has really been helping people understand identity better. So um, I was lost in utter darkness until you came and rescued me, says the hymn, uh, Come Thou Fount, the new version. Um, So the circle to the right is just lost, like the TV show, only a lot worse. 
So the circle says, I was lost. And, and that's where we were. We were lost, completely without God. And that first box to the left of the lost is, is mercy. Because in his mercy, God acted on us. And he drew us to the Father. So number one at the top, that, that top box is Father. Um, so we were lost, but in his mercy, the Father drew us to himself. And that's, that was a good day. You know, that is just, that is where it all changed. Um, but it got even better because he didn't just draw us to himself. If you go down the right hand of the, of the triangle, that first box there is grace. Because in something that we didn't deserve, in his grace, he did something that was really cool. Number two down here is he gave us identity. And that's basically he called us a son or he called us a daughter. So, so here we are already. We're not lost anymore. We got drawn to the Father. And not only that, He, in His, in His, in His mercy and His grace, gave us our identity. He says, You're my son. Um, you know, 1 John 1, uh, 3 1 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. Whoo! I love that. And that's so awesome. But because of that, Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So, of course, out of that identity, there's only one thing to do, and that is to walk in obedience. So number three is obedience. And that's basically those good works that we do. Picking out songs and running rehearsals and leading worship and playing our instruments and loving people, doing the stuff that he... Uh, has has entrusted us and gifted us to do. And that is awesome. But a lot of times we don't quite go that way. We don't have that understanding. And we definitely don't have that um, that way of doing things. We are drawn to the Father, and then we start looking, if you, if you fill in the left-hand side blank, um, that's the law. And the law points out what's, what we're doing wrong, right? Um, but what happens is we start following the law to look for, okay, what should we do? Now, what, what, what are the rules? What are the things we need to do? What are the expectations? What, what, what is it? Let me follow that. And, and what happens a lot of times is that we start obeying, we start doing these good works, and, and because we don't know our identity yet, we start doing those good works so hopefully one day we'll become a son or a daughter. Um, and so if I pursue my obedience before knowing my identity, my good works, or my obedience becomes my identity, rather than, the, than who the Father says I am. In other words, I'm a worship leader. I'm an electric guitar player. That's my deal. That's who I am. You know, This is, this is what gives me worth. And, and because I serve well, then you know, I'm called the, the son of God. You know, I'm, I'm one of his kids now because I'm serving in the church. Like... Wow, how how messy is that going to get? Um, you know, it's not that it's not that we're a good Christian; it's that we are a son, primarily, that we are a daughter, primarily, and now we get to go do good things because we are his sons and daughters, not to become. And that's a huge difference if we do something out of because we are, rather than hopefully we will someday become um, a son or a daughter. And um, that's that's um that's a really big deal especially for especially for artist types you know because because the music we we create ideally and often is a very very personal expression right 
You know, this we want to. There's there's emotion, there's energy, there's passion that we give and we put into what we're doing, and it means a lot to us, right? But in that meaning a lot to us, sometimes if we don't have, if we don't start with a clear sense of, you know what? Okay, at, at the end of the day and at the beginning of the day, God says something really important about me. I've said yes to him. I've responded to his mercy and to his grace. And he's given me everything that I need. He has called me a son and a daughter. And that's all I will ever need. That's all that ever really matters. The other stuff can come and go. And I love the other stuff. It's fun. I love serving. I love leading worship. I love playing music. It's just great. But foundationally, all I really need is, oh, you called me a son. That's very cool. And I get to do stuff because of that. And we see the same pattern when Jesus was, um, when Jesus was baptized um, and the dove, you know, the voice from heaven, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. This is my son who hasn't done any miracles, hasn't raised the dead or healed the sick or, you know, I am well pleased. Just my son. That's it. You haven't done anything. You're already well pleasing. And I feel like he says the same thing to us. Like, listen, you don't need to earn anything. Um, and and so not only will that transform our hearts, but our team's hearts and helping that player that has seems to have an attitude because something other than just serving Jesus is on the line when they play, right? There's something kind of else going on. Uh, but then we can also help shepherd our congregations the same way. And, and you know, there is there is... Everything that's been everything's been provided for you, and and what's on the line right now is just you, you know you giving your heart to the Lord, and it's not like you need to perform to be a good person. To, you don't need to uh, win God's approval. He he won your approval with His Son. It's done. Um. So a couple of things to 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 um, to get out or to to combat those enemies: the uh, autopilot consumerism and uh, performance um, so like I said this morning and this this is not I always get asked that and I forget if it's covenant it's God's covenant to us sorry there's always one that, that helps me remember that so I always forget it um, see that the rest of that is the rocket right yeah okay um, so, the, so the first thing is um do what I did this morning. Lead yourself in worship. To get off, to get off of autopilot, because we all get on autopilot. It happens all the time. So lead yourself in worship, but also teach teach your congregation to lead themselves in worship, right? Um, to fight consumerism, you know, come come with the heart and the attitude. Who can I pray for? What can I give? How can I serve? What can I say that could be encouraging to somebody? Teach people to come as givers. This isn't about, oh, I hope you enjoy the service. This is, guess what, y'all? We get to give this morning. We get to, this is a worship service. It's not a buffet that you come and eat at, right? This is, this is different. Um, so we can teach our congregation to not come as consumers. Um, and then, and then to, fight, to fight the performance deal, you know, one of the, one of the biggest free things about um, understanding how to, how to do music from a scriptural perspective you know, there's perfectionism is rampant, right? I mean, we have this, this. We got to get it right. We got to get it a certain way, and you know, we play a thousand notes, and we play the thousand and first note wrong, and that all goes away, and all we remember is that one blasted note that we screwed up, 
you know. Um, but perf- perf- perfection, in the biblical sense of the word, has to do with completeness, not flawlessness. So look and, and try to do things that are complete, not flawless. All right. Okay. So I'm going to shift gears because of time. We're almost done here. Wait, are we supposed to end five minutes ago or in ten minutes? Five minutes, five minutes ago. Crap! <laughs> All right. So I'll just say this. Um, the uh, You can watch the video that's online. The link is on your paper. But here's, here's the deal. Um, I wanted to give you this tool because... Um, Sometimes a part of creating a culture of worship at our church is hard simply because we don't know how to talk to each other well. We don't know how to have good conversations. And so this tool is designed, I typically do this via email with a team and kind of facilitate the conversation, but it's basically this. It's basically a way to get a conversation going. Um, but it's not just a random conversation like what, what did you like and what did you not like, although that's in there. What worked for you, what was meaningful. Um, but then there's, there's the power of questions that's built into this, this document that um, questions direct our focus. If I say to you, hey, did the Spurs win last night? No, they lost. Shoot. Uh, is it going to be sunny tomorrow? Have you, have you graduated from college yet? Like, if I ask you any of those questions, you're starting to think that direction, that direction, that direction. Questions focus you. You pay attention to certain things. You're going to go outside and look at the sky to see what the weather's like if, you, if we start talking about, if we start asking you questions about the weather. So I've put in here things that I think are important, but what I would encourage you to do is, I, and I can email you an a, a electronic copy of this, but to take something like this or to create something like this and ask questions that you think are important to grow your musicians, to grow your teams, to help the service flow better, to grow the congregation, you know, so did we sing and speak as if God was with us in the room? Or um, was there a sense of flow? What caused it to seem disconnected? Or, you know, um, did, uh, <laughs> where was the band in the scale of making it through the music to actually making music? You know, there's a difference, right? Um, did, did did the, did the, did it feel like a team who loves to serve together, or was there like dissension there? You know, so I'm asking all these questions. Did anyone tap the mic and say, "Is this on?" That's in the text section. Um, so it's just a tool that I wanted to give you give to you that you can use to open conversations up, not to become critics of the service, because that's just no, no, no. It's to it's to um, it's to hone the team's ability to reflect well and to have good conversations that are helpful to move things forward. Because you'll never be able to really tweak things and move things forward if you don't talk well. But for those of us that are never really going to be able to free up thinking (laughs) about what other people think, how do we somehow let the congregation know that we're going to try to be freer in worship? But yes, it's been highly scripted. We've done verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, repeat the last line three times for the past ten years, but we're going to try new things. How do we communicate that to them so that they know that we're taking some risks and that we didn't just screw up because we were out drinking the night before? Um, What part of the question do I answer? Um, Not to drink in the night before. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I don't know that you need to say anything. You just need to model. Just, just like, like, look, there's there's nothing wrong with with having a script and going through a song in a very deliberate way. 
if you go through it like it's a script and you're doing it deliberately, then that, that, that's where it's crap. That's where it doesn't make sense. That's where it doesn't connect with your heart. You know, if you're like, okay, now we repeat this. Yep. All right, done. Next song. Like, well, then I don't care. You know, you're mailing it in, mailing, mailing it in at that point. Like, it's just, so just begin, begin small, you know, and, okay, this week, let's keep playing the chorus instrumentally. We're not even going to do anything, but let's keep playing the chorus instrumentally after we tagged it three times. And not like we're playing it to the arrangement, but just to kind of sit there and see if it goes anywhere. Maybe let's not even see if it goes anywhere on Sunday. Let's see if it goes anywhere at rehearsal. Let's just vamp there for a second and see if anything happens. Because well, you have to practice go? it. What is, remember, we're, we're brothers. So, yes. it's, so where would it, it's not like people are going to start Maybe singing the chorus again right? in the congregation without us leading. So yeah. what, where, what do you mean, where would it go? That's a great question because you're, you're identifying the need to, to say, okay, why? Why would you do that? What's freed up mean? Why, why would you stylistically go off the beaten path? So for me, that is, that is it's part of autopilot. But it's part of, it's, it's this difference. You can, you can get a card from your kid that they went to the store and they bought it and they gave it to you. You can get a card from a kid that they made it. They drew it up, they put their, their scrawly handwriting on it and they gave it to you. They're both cool. It's just different. It's just a different level of requirement from the congregation, right? That's just, it's a different offering. And we want we want to keep growing in our in our understanding of worship and our experience of God in worship. So that that's just something we haven't seen or done before, you know. And 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 you'll have to pastor them through that too, depending on how risky you get, because otherwise you just kind of become inaccessible. And you're like, well, what are they doing now? We don't even know what we're supposed to do, you know. I don't think that's going to happen. But even okay. just <laughs> well, I mean, that's but that card analogy is good. Maybe we can even put something in the bulletin because there's space sometimes. Just that well, analogy to get people thinking about the fact that sometimes we might want to try, you know, adding a little some hearts or flowers to a hallmark that's already printed up. Well, yeah, no, seriously, like, so you you could even say that that'd be a great worship bomb, like, like Dan was saying this morning. You're you're gonna go into the song, and before you start it, you say, you know, songs are like hallmark cards. Sometimes we like to give hallmark cards as they are. Sometimes we like to like write a whole you know, thing in them. Sometimes we like to make our own cards. That's great. In this song, we're going to get to the end of it, and we're just going to kind of try to make our own card. I'm not sure what it's going to sound like yet, but we'll, we'll guide you. But when we get to that place, let's just take out your, you know, like maybe you'll have this, a scripture on the screen. Just invent a melody with that, with those words. It's, and, and this might feel really, really weird to you. Like, in saying that, like, lets them know that, like, okay, this is bizarre, man. Did I, did I, is this a different church now, you know? You know or whatever. So you, you have to pastor people through that. But if you just give them some simple something to do, you know, and again, not every song, you know, do it once in one spot. And maybe in three weeks, do it again somewhere. You know, take a long good view ideas, of it. Good ideas, good ideas. So, but you have to get you have to get people in touch with why and what you're doing, not just the mechanics of it. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to vamp here a little bit because we want it to be a little more free. Yeah, so what does that mean? You know, well, we weren't free when we were singing the songs. <laughs> you know, so. Anyway. Thank you. Thanks for taking time out of your day to grow with the worship fertilizer. With each fertilizer, you'll grow in worship, in musicianship, 
in leadership, in relationship. It'll be just what you need to grow. Be a part of this podcast by submitting your questions and comments to podcast at adlibmusic.com. You can also learn about further coaching opportunities at adlibmusic.com.